Hi everyone, welcome to my podcast where we talk all things that are most dear to the heart. I'm Bobby Houston, co-senior pastor of Hillsong Church and founder of the Color Sisterhood. I'm passionate about seeing all people find Jesus as Saviour and gain a revelation of their value in Him and then rise up to make a stand for justice in the earth. This is a place that you'll hear from me, the Color Sisterhood team and some of our beloved friends. To find out more and stay up to date, please visit bobbyhouston.com and connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. All right, all right. Do you know what I wanna do today? Hallelujah. I wanna actually finish that thought on safe and sound, obviously. Safe and sound, which I've been speaking to you for a few weeks now with interface with, you know, breast cancer awareness morning. Oh, also, how funny was that? Last week, we had so much confetti fall down for the breast cancer awareness morning. And then this morning in worship, it's like 11 confettis fell down. It's like, we can only afford 11 today. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was like leftovers up there. Anyway, the angels were like fluffing their wings and some confetti fell down. But um, I've been talking about Safe and Sound for a reason, guys, because it's been important to my pastoral heart. And I think I have made that clear over the past few weeks, that we come to a place of personal revelation of Safe and Sound. I am safe and I am sound in this Christ, amen? And then because of that, safe and sound or any revelation on our life leaks outward and affects other people, amen? So if you recall, um, I, would, I came to you with like eight thoughts and they're gonna quickly go up on the screen. So basically I said that um, safe and sound is, all right, they're gonna go faster than this. Okay, safe and sound is not a fairy tale. Safe and sound is our heritage and our legacy. Safe and sound is in the blood of a poured out saviour. Safe and sound is the fruit of well-worn pages. True? Amen. Safe and sound number five is why James wrote a letter when he talked about trials and tribulations and to not be fearful. So again, the exhortation the last time I spoke was literally, if you're going through a tough time, open the book of James, written by the brother of Jesus and look at what he said to us so that you have courage. Number six, um, I said safe and sound is why we have armour, the armour of God, just touched on that lightly. Um, Number seven, Safe and Sound is a narrative and a song that doesn't wane in the trenches, the tempest, or the battlefront. And number eight, Safe and Sound is found in the realm of prayer. And so we camped on that. And if you recall, we had some of the girls, Becca Brew and Karen and Lucille came up here and just painted a picture of what prayer in their everyday looks like. So it's been a good series, right? And amid all of that, um, I presented a question or amid a question of, do you find Eden in the chaos? There was a yet again, a reminder that we are all unfinished gardens in process, hallelujah. And we have a Holy Spirit who is called our divine encourager. And so again, when you think about all these layers of words and thoughts, it's all so that we have a confidence within that says, you know what? Regardless, I am safe and sound. Regardless, I am prepared for today and for the days that are ahead, amen? So actually, when I was speaking, time didn't allow me to do the seventh point. So I'm gonna go there today. Is that all right? So if you're taking notes, this is the point. Safe and Sound is a narrative and a song that doesn't wane again in the trenches, the tempest, or the battle. All right, have you written that down? Safe and Sound is a narrative and a song, hallelujah, that doesn't wane. Everyone say wane. Okay, we're not talking about wane. We're saying wane, it doesn't wane. Okay, I've got a mental brain today. It doesn't wane in the tempest, um, the trenches, the tempest, or the battlefront. And again, I think personally that if you have ever experienced the Lord with you in any way, if you have actually, let me be repetitive, if you have experienced the Lord with you in the trench, in the tempest, in the battle, then you know that that statement is weighty. And there will be many in the rooms today who would say, yeah, I know that because I have experienced the Lord close to me. It's weighty. And when you have a fought for revelation, do you know what? Big picture, it actually stays with you because it's imprinted into your spirit. And so it stays with you for length of days. And again, it defines who you are and it defines then how you influence others. 
So these things are important. All right, I made, I chose to make for this little mini series, I chose to make Psalm 20 our bookend. And so one more time to bookend today, I'm gonna read the Psalm 20 to you. And again, it was a song of trust. That was how it was described. This is a song of trust. So in verse one, it says, in your day of danger, again, not suggesting that or prophesying that over you, but should you encounter a day of danger in life, okay, in your day of danger, may the Lord answer you and deliver you. May the name of the God of Jacob set you safely on high. Beautiful, right? May the name of the God of Jacob. Again, when I was speaking this a few weeks back, camped on the revelation of the name of God. We need to get a revelation of the character and the name of God because we can draw upon that. Verse two, may supernatural help be sent from His sanctuary. May He support you from Zion's fortress. The very thought that there is a fortress in heaven, that that heaven is a fortress and that God can send help to you and I from His holy temple is no small thing. May He send supernatural help. Some of you are only praying for help. I need help. No, yes, you need help in the natural, but you need help. You need supernatural help. And our God has that safe haven. Verse three, may he remember every gift that you have given him, every devotion, every offering, every talent, everything that you have brought to him. May he remember every gift that you have given him and celebrate every sacrifice of love that you have shown him. May God, verse four, may God give you every desire of your heart and carry out your every plan as you go to battle. Suggesting again, oh, here we go. Praise the Lord, I have a desire. I wanna do this. Well, that's awesome. You know, God wants to give you the desires of your heart, but actually there might be a battle in it because that's pretty much what that Scripture is saying. May He give you those desires. May He actually overshadow every one of your plans as you go to battle. So we have a desire. I had a desire many, many years ago when I birthed, um, when I really stepped into the realm of um, oversighting the women in this house and being responsible for them and then birthing the colour conference. So I had a dream. I had a desire and I believe a godly desire that the women of Australia, all right, let's just go, the women of Australia, by the grace of God and for all the right reasons, would go down as, would go down in history as having made a difference. That is a good desire, nothing wrong with that desire, nothing prideful or aspirational on my part in that, but a desire that the women in this nation who came here, who were planted here, who were camped here at this time in history would go down in history for the right reason. It was like those women back then, but you know what? Hello, that has been a battle. It's been a joyful thing, but it's been a battle at times, verse five. And then the Lord says, when you succeed, now there's a promise, so hallelujah. When you succeed, when you succeed, we collective will celebrate and shout for joy. Flags will fly, hallelujah. When victory is yours, yes, God will answer your prayers and we will praise Him. Flags will fly, I know we talked about that at the worship conference, or at least I did. I had a point that said, you know, your victory flags do the devil's head in. So like fly your flags, not literally real flags. I was suggesting we don't bring flags nor ribbons, all right? Because um, in a crowd, people lose their eyes and get injured, all right? So keep your flags at home. Praise the Lord, there's enough happening up here. But we... We are gonna fly our flags, amen. Verse six, I know God gives all, I know God gives me all that I ask for and brings victory to his anointed king. My deliverance cry, my deliverance cry will be heard in his holy heaven. I wonder if the Lord heard us this morning. I wonder if he heard our praise and worship this morning in holy heaven. I mean, I I like nipped out to go to the bathroom again behind the curtains. I could hear you singing out there in the back dock and it was beautiful. But I wonder if God heard our praises this morning. Our deliverance cry will be heard in in heaven. Um, By His mighty hand, miracles will manifest through His saving strength, verse seven. Some find their strength in their weapons and wisdom, but my miracle deliverance can never be won by men. Our boast is in the Lord, our God, who makes us strong and gives us victory. Our enemies will not prevail. 
They will only collapse and perish in defeat while we rise up full of courage. Verse nine, give victory to our King, our God. The day we call on you, give us your answer. Do you love it? It's a favourite of mine. Do you know, I wrote down here, narrative, boast and song within the Christian experience, again, is no small thing. Narrative, boast and song. It is part, girls, of the beautiful mystery that mystifies the world and causes them to hunger. Actually causes them to hunger. Our narrative, our boast, our song, our conviction, our experience, our faith, it mystifies the world. My husband had dinner the other night with um, a personality, an Australian personality out there, won't say who, but not a church person, but is fascinated with Brian, fascinated with him as a leader and fascinated with his place. It mystifies him. And that's how it should be, right? And so again, verse seven says, well, some find their strength and weapons and wisdom, but my deliverance, our boast, but my, but my deliverance, oh, again, Bobby, but my deliverance, but my miracle deliverance, that's what I was meaning to read, but my miracle deliverance, everyone go miracle deliverance. Miracle. Yes, with, with expression, okay? With my miracle just, okay, we're, we're not going, we're doing this. You're like, has she, has she been on drugs today? <laughs> no, but I may have had too much sugar on Monday night at Laura's baby, sh- baby shower. So um, my miracle deliverance, everyone do that. Miracle. Exactly. Who needs f- flags when you've got elbows to like knock somebody in the face with? <laughs> okay, and then it says our boast, <laughs> glory, our boast is in our God who makes us strong and gives us victory. I just repeated that (laughs) hilariously because our boast is in God. You know, narrative by definition is obviously, it is spoken, um, it is a spoken or written narrative of connected events, a story. That's a narrative, all right? It is spoken or written um, account of connected events that becomes a story, obviously. Well, I love that sisterhood is a narrative, because there's been lots and lots of connected events that are creating a story. I love that Hillsong Church is a narrative, actually. Um, A song, a song um, is defined as a short poem or set of words set to music um, and meant to be sung. So a song is meant to be sung. It's a small poem or a set of words set to music meant to be sung. Interestingly, in the dictionary it said, of the wildlife, of whales, birds, and insects. It is a repeated sequence used chiefly for territory defence. How interesting is that? Or attracting males, <laughs> or mates, rather. How, isn't that interesting? I just thought the birds in my bush were just singing sweetly in the morning, but apparently they are protecting their territory and attracting mates. And um, I don't know how that works in the spirit realm. Um, I really don't think that our singing, I really don't want our singing to be attracting male mates into the room, (laughs) right? Although I do have a memory. Does anyone have this memory? Years ago when we were in the hub, um, a tradie dropped some stuff off to the reception and heard the singing and stood in the um, equivalent of that opening and then afterwards said to someone, oh my God, I've never seen so many good looking women. (laughs) So... You never know, right? And then, (laughs) praise the Lord, um, the word boast. (laughs) Is that what you came for this morning? Did you come to hear all this? All right. Um, A boast. (laughs) Shame. All right. I'm talking about a boast. I'm not talking talking about a vainglorious brag um, in oneself, but rather a boast that has its confidence in the greatness of God. So again, always, here we are. Meat and potatoes, Bob, I want to champion the boast within the daughters of God. I want us as a sisterhood, I want us as a church to champion the boast within. Because again, when you find yourself in life, in that trench, that tempest, that battle space, we need to be able to rehearse, to rehearse the right, safe and sound mantra. 
And now mantra is like often associated with Eastern religion. I'm not talking about mantra in that sense. I'm talking about it in the most perfect sense, which basically means a mantra is a repetition of belief that keeps you focused on what you believe. And when we're in life, see, this is, I'm just setting us up here. So if anything ever changed in the landscape of the world, you remember, ah, we're safe and sound. Ah, we remember the Scripture. Ah, we rehearse the right stuff. All right? I can't do it for you. When you're in the trench, we're in the tempest, when you're in that battle, we're there together. But you know what? You better know your convictions. And I want us to know our convictions. So here we go. If there were just three things, three things, hallelujah. (laughs) I'm gonna go down for like my three things. I was joking up the back and I said, when I die on my gravestone, you can put, there were three things that we loved about Bobby. Anyway, if there were three things that I would say about narrative and song, again, in that context of tempest, um, trench and battle, I would say, firstly, your voice improves with time. Your voice, all right? Okay, he goes, um, girls, I am not a singer, FYI. Not even close. I am not a singer, all right? I have memories. Um, I have memories when I was younger of doing what probably many of you did. I have memories of singing into a brush in front of the mirror. Did anyone do that? It was like, yeah, I was a singer way back in my childhood with a brush. Amen. This brush came from upstairs and it's, I said, please make sure it's got no hair in it. All right. So um, I, I did that. Did anyone else used to do that? Does anyone still do that? No, all right. So then I got saved. I got saved and I got fully involved, immediately involved into the church that I got saved in. But you know what? I was so shy and I was so afraid of my voice. I was so shy. I was absolutely terrified. I used to, I've told this story before, but I used to be like um, on the youth committee. So I, I pretty much got saved and got involved straight away on the youth committee. You've heard me tell this story. I went to my first youth. I looked around. I was saved like five or six days. I looked around the room and I thought, oh wow, youth, a youth, a youth meeting. I've never been to youth. Okay, so I can't sing. I can't dance. I can't play a musical instrument. I can't do anything. And then I saw a kitchen and food and supper and a um, kitchen tea towel. And I thought, you know what? I can do tea towel. So I got involved. So I was always involved. So I was on the youth committee, but I was terrified of the sound of my own voice. They used to have this game. Okay. They used to plan it. At youth, we're going to have this game. We're going to throw a box of matches out into the crowd and whoever it lands on has to stand up and testify. (laughs) Yeah, no, seriously, they have to stand up and testify. And so you know what? I'd be like, what the heck? And so again, here we go. Your Bible college over here, creative. Nope, nobody's catching it. No, you all think this is a trick, don't you? You think it's a trick. Here we go. No, no one's catching it. No, no. <laughs> See, so this is what happened. If I knew that we were gonna play that game as a youth leader, I wouldn't go to youth. Because I was so terrified of my own voice. Incredible. So then I meet Brian Houston, all right? Met him at 17. He was a church kid. Um, he had grown up in youth. He was uber confident. He had no fear. He was happy to make a fool of himself. Still is. <laughs> he played guitar like an islander. All right, that's actually a compliment. But he played a guitar, he played guitar like a, an islander. He had his little strum going and he used to just make up songs. He would just make up songs on the spot and he would make up songs for me. He was, I know, I know. We should bring this out on Sunday night, shouldn't we? I'd be like, and just like, yeah, and he'd just like sit there and like sing songs to me. I know, my heart melted. But <clears throat> when I was younger, when I was young, so even like, dating, first married, anything like that, I wouldn't sing in front of him. Because you see, I don't sing. (laughs) How is that possible? I go to Hillsong Church. How is that possible? They go, you sing, don't you? And I go, no, I don't sing. Anyway, I wouldn't sing. So I wouldn't sing in front of him because I was embarrassed because I didn't have a good voice. In fact, if we were at a meeting and he was there, I would actually um, go like this and sing away. 
Yeah, and don't you hate it when you're in worship and you close your eyes and then you travel in worship and then you're just like, oh, you're just worshiping. And then you open your eyes and you're actually singing in someone's ear. <laughs> yeah, I've done that before. But here's go. So, so last Sunday night, last Sunday night, no, last Sunday morning over here, um, he leans over to me, hilarious. Um, he leans over and he goes, um, over the years, all the singing, your voice has improved. know whether to be um, offended or encouraged. <laughs> I was like, he goes, yeah, like all the years. Your voice, do you know that's actually true in the natural? Actually, I mean, experts will tell you. <laughs> I'm not an expert. But you know what, in the natural, if you, the more you sing and you come into an environment like this, I'm talking about naturally singing, but you know, the more you sing, the more your voice is actually gonna improve. You're gonna get stronger as you're alongside those who have stronger voice. So if I used to, back in the day, if I, I, perhaps I still do, but if I'm beside a really good singer, I'll sing with them. But then if I'm beside a really bad singer, I'll sing with them, you know? So it's really interesting. Well, the same is spiritual. There's a spiritual principle here, right? And there's, you know, think about the spiritual um, dynamics of your voice and your spiritual song. Like think about the spiritual tone, deepening the depth, becoming greater. You think about tune. You think about the resonating nature. You think about the authority of a spiritual song, of your voice, of what you bring to the table, the earth. It all changes. Do you know there is a, there is a theme and a pattern to this Word of God. You know, um, the narrative, the lyric becomes stronger. You look at the lyric, okay, I'm just gonna dive in here, but you look at the lyric in many of the songs coming out of our house at this time and other places of the world, the lyric is strong. I mean, it used to be quite restricted, but now it's just layers deep because there's revelation within it. And um, it's powerful. You know, Darlene Check once said to me, I've told you this many times, she once said to me, Bobby, everyone can sing. They just have to listen. She was talking to me because I'm saying I can't actually sing. And she goes, no, Bobby, everyone can sing. They just have to listen. Well, I also didn't know whether to be offended or encouraged by that. <laughs> because I'm like, Darlene, you are Darlene. You know, but she said, no, you just have to listen better. But I actually did take it on board. But again, that is so true spiritually, isn't it? All our location is so true. The more we listen to what God is saying, you're gonna find your salvation song. So I'm talking about safe and sound is a narrative and a song that doesn't wane in the, um, temp, the, the uh, trenches, the tempest and the battlefront. I'm talking about the spiritual song, the conviction, the, the, the grunt, the grit of actually who you are in Jesus' Name. You know, I'm not an expert on war either. But again, I do <clears throat> believe that the battle songs develop in power and strength with pilgrimage. The battle songs, because it's like you were just moving on. Psalm 84 talks about going from strength to strength, our victory strong, a victory song from strength to strength. Psalm 119.54 in the Amplified says, your statues are my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. Isn't that beautiful? And you just look at that, your statues have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. And I really believe that this house and the statutes that we sit under week after week after week are building a good song of pilgrimage in our lives. Don't take it for granted, hey? Again, not being an expert on war or the strategies of war, but I would imagine that most wars um, are not won on one battle alone. They aren't. There are many battles within a war one. And so sometimes the spiritual battles that we're in or the things that we're contending for, you know, sometimes they're, a, they're singular in attack. Other times um, it's like the battle comes from all sides. That's often a good sign that you're doing something right, not wrong, when everything is coming at you strangely from all sides. And this should have been an absolute twerp and being rebellious, then you know, you've actually stepped out from under the umbrella and you're actually on your own. So that's done, we're not talking about that. But then some battles feel like a firestorm. It feels like a firestorm. And I feel like I woke up to a firestorm a few months back and I went, shivers, this, doesn't, this isn't just a fiery attack. This feels like a firestorm of attack. 
And so again, um, nothing to fear because the Word talks to us. Scripture has spoken to us this morning. But I honestly believe that with every battle won, whether we're fighting a battle in our mind or with the battle of our will or battles from other forces, every battle won, you deprive the enemy of oxygen. You actually do. You deprive the enemy of oxygen. They threw the, the, the Hebrew boys into the fire. And you know, fire consumes oxygen. But you know what? Their oxygen was different. They were breathing God. They had the, the Son of God, the angel of the Lord was with them. And then, you know, in fury, they opened the furnace and they turned it up seven times, seven times hotter. And they still survived. So you know, 31, foundational blueprint for us is, you know what? Speak up, open your mouth, find your voice. So you know what, with time, if there was one thing I would say to you, I would say your voice improves with time. Second thing, hallelujah, I've got five minutes. Your song is a superpower. It is a superpower. Now, a couple of weeks ago, Laura spoke on a Sunday night about superpowers, but our song is a superpower also. It has creative power. It is creative and mystery. It is amazing. Isaiah says God's Word. You've, I, I, I pray it over every conference gathering, every time. God's Word shall not return void. It shall not return void, whether it is meditated, whether it is spoken, whether it is sung. Whether it is sung, it goes out into the atmosphere and God's Word, if it's heaven breathed, if it is the Word of God, it shall not return void. Let me read Isaiah 55. So shall my Word be that goes out of my mouth, it shall not return void to me. Without producing any effect, it shall not be useless but it shall accomplish that which I please and purpose and that shall prosper in the thing for which I have sent it. In the Amplified, it shall not return void without producing some kind of effect. And I sit here and I think of, you know, Kanye West at the moment. Kanye West, right? Kanye, right. Taking the storm with an album that is Jesus left, right and centre. And some people could get their knickers in a twist over that and go, oh, no, it doesn't matter whether the gospel is preached this way or that way, as long as the gospel is being preached. That's what Paul said from prison, right? And it shall not go out void because I downloaded it and I listened to it and I am like, oh my goodness, it is all Jesus. And I saw um, CNN post or Fox or someone posted, USA Newsfeed post that they have had an unusual amount of Google searches. What do Christians believe? Who is Jesus? And the Bible Society are stepping in and going, you know what, for every inquiry like that, we're gonna actually give them a Bible. Okay, so <laughs> who knows what's happening? Maybe Jesus is coming back, who knows? And um, you know, on that note, I actually think how profound that for us, not in a prideful way, but the songs of this house get to resonate around the world. They resonate around the world. So yesterday, quickly on the screens, I asked for some stats as of, um, as of yesterday afternoon on the number of streams of our last three music projects alone. So streams, not, not album sales, but streams, okay? So Awake, 57 and a half million, and that was only October 11th released. People, I think it was released in July, 246 million streams, three, Young and Free, with Reimagined, like that's 170 something million streams. And then a total of heading towards, because it just changes by the minute, 500 million Streams. Now, I don't say that in a prideful manner. I say his song is resonating. The echo of his word and his song is resonating around the world. And his word and his song has the capacity, again, to resonate and echo inside the, the chamber or the spirit, the spirit space of your spirit. It will echo in your spirit until it gets its job done. And you know what? So take the word in and just let it echo in you and accomplish what it needs to do. Amen? Don't be like, oh, I, I don't know. You know, I wrote down here that the word in the song has capacity to cause spirits within to leap. Like when, 
like Mary, when Mary went to visit Elizabeth and the sound of Mary's voice and news, which was Christ-centered news. It was Christ. It caused um, the baby and the destiny within Elizabeth to leap within her. And that is why, that is why Sisterhood United, I'm harping, is so critical because we're gonna come and the Spirit within us in our praise and our worship and our lean in and our receptivity to the Word of God and to vision is gonna cause destiny to leap within the multitudes of other rooms that are gonna be present on the stage with us. So it is important, hey. And I wrote down here, it has the capacity, Word and Song has the capacity capacity to be the most irritating noise to the enemy, which I rather like. So girls, don't shy back, all right? Don't shy back. Don't shy back. Don't shy back yourself and don't shy back when you're sharing or speaking God's Word over another because that is the nature of the kingdom and sisterhood. And the third one is um, cute. I'm gonna have a, a switch of screen up here. And the third one is, girlfriend, your tambourine is no small thing. All right, so here we go. Your tambourine is no small thing. And we've got a number of tambourine girls, okay? We have so, don't you think that looks like Sandra Denton when she was young? Totally. And then we've got sort of everyday modern girl tambourine person. And then we've got, I don't know, is that the 30s or the 20s tambourine girl? And then we've definitely got sexy tambourine girl here. But um, okay, and it's like, be like Miriam, all right? So I love that. Obviously, I'm speaking metaphorically because we really don't want a lot of tambourines either. But... (laughs) (laughs) Just consider Miriam of old, all right? Miriam, all right, listen up quickly. She was the sister of Moses and Aaron, correct? She was also the girl, she was a girl who had a moment of failure, actually. She had a displeasing attitude towards her brother. And you know what? The Lord dealt with her, actually, and removed her from the camp um, because maybe he really didn't need... uh, displeasing attitude. He wanted people, he needed Israel to respect and follow Moses. So as a sister, she had a displeasing attitude and God removed her for a a season and then he brought her back. So that's true of Miriam. But she was also the girl, listen up, who braved the bulrushes when her mother sought to conceal or her mother placed her three-month-old baby brother into a basket in order to um, avoid or outwit destruction. She was that girl. She was a girl who had enough nows to hang around and then um, convince an Egyptian princess, hallelujah, walk like an Egyptian, an Egyptian princess, to, um, that she could actually go find um, a woman who could nurse her babe, this baby that she had found. You know, one of the um, commentaries I read said that um, Miriam would have been about five years of age then. How amazing is that? I mean, pretty much a five-year-old to go up to an Egyptian princess in those times and say, by the way, I um, know where you can find a lactating mother. Like that's pretty much what she did. And she found her own mother. And I mean, that story is amazing. She was a girl who traversed the plagues, the exodus, the wilderness with her people. And then as Scripture says, she picked up her song and she picked up her tambourine and she led others in a victory sound. Let me read Exodus 14, and then I've got some girls that are gonna come and join me. Exodus 14, verse 10 in the message, and it says, as Pharaoh approached, so they're, you know, they're like, they're in pursuit, right? As Pharaoh approached at the Red Sea, the Israelites looked up and saw them, Egyptians coming at them, and they were totally afraid. And they cried out in terror to God. In verse 13, Moses spoke to the people and he said, don't be afraid, stand firm and watch God do His work of salvation for you today. God will fight the battle for you and you keep your mouth shut. Now, isn't that interesting? Because I'm telling you to open your mouth and sing and Moses is saying, and you shut your mouths. But you probably know why, don't you? Because they would have been terrified. There would have been wailing and gnashing of teeth and there would have been like screams like, we're gonna die, we're gonna die, we're gonna die. And how many times when we're like panicking and screaming in life, we're gonna die, we're gonna die. God is like, shut up, shut your mouth right now. This is not the time to wail. So he says, be quiet. And you know what? He did exactly what he said he would. He gave them victory. He did it. Angels camped around and about them. The fire and the cloud 
wrapped around. They put, put, it put darkness onto the enemy and light into the camp of God. He did it. And then he walked his people through those waters safely. Verse 30, verse 13. And God delivered Israel that day from the oppression of the Egyptians. And Israel looked at the, at the Egyptian dead washed up on the shore of the sea. Verse 31, and they realised the tremendous power that God had brought against the Egyptians. The people were in reverent awe before God and they trusted in God. Safe and sound, they trusted in God and His servant Moses. Chapter 15, 1. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to God, giving voice together. I'm singing my heart out to God. What a victory. He pitched horse and rider into the sea. Verse 2. God is my strength. God is my song. And yes, God is my salvation. This is the kind of God I have and I'm telling the world. This is the God of my Father. I'm spreading the news far and wide. God is a fighter, pure. God through and through, Pharaoh's chariots and army he dumped into the sea. And then verse 20, Miriam, the prophetess, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine and all the people, all the women followed her with tambourines dancing. And verse 21, Miriam led them in singing. Sing to God, what a victory. He pitched horse and rider into the sea. And so much could be said of this monumental moment in history of God amongst His people. But for a moment, just one second, consider what Israel went through to get to that point. Just consider for one moment, here's my last thought. They they endured captivity, 400 years, oppression, plagues. There were 10 plagues. Listen, girls, blood, frogs, gnats, flies, livestock, boils, hail, locusts, darkness, death of Egypt's firstborn, and then the Passover. You know, some of us, we cry, we, we lose the plot if we break a nail or the washing machine dies. They survived all of this. Then they have to drop everything, flee, they're pursued, they face the Red Sea, they watch it pass, they cross it, and then they stand back and they watch the enemy destroyed in epic proportion. And I'm sure on the other side of that, because that's what the Bible says, they were rejoicing. Yeah, I'm sure that they were rejoicing, but I reckon half of them (laughs) would have been in post-traumatic syndrome from the experience. And do you realise that in life sometimes when you even come out of the battlefront, you have a little post-traumatic syndrome. You have some scars, you have some after effect. And it's in that place that we keep singing to one another in Jesus' Name, Amen. So I'm finishing. Girls, come and join me. What does Miriam do? She picks up her tambourine, she gathers her sisters and she, listen to me, she adds. Everyone say adds. She adds her song, her narrative, her victory flag, her boast her vo- her, her to the um, song that was being sung. She adds all of that to the song that was already being sung by Moses and everyone, but she adds her song to the song being sung on the earth. And I wanna encourage us as a sisterhood to do that in Jesus' Name. To bring your song, to add your song, to the song being sung around the world. And um, let's be a sisterhood. I wrote it down here. Let's be a sisterhood who sing one another into battle, through battle, and out the other side. Is that good? In Jesus' Name, safe and sound. All right, sweethearts. I have got some amazing people up here and we've got, we've got 10 minutes. Can you stay for five extra minutes? All right, let's do that. It won't, it won't hurt. All right, Cassandra. Okay. We just thought that we would put some legs on Bobby's message. Love those three points so much. I don't know if you do too, but I feel like I've got three incredible worship leaders up here who um, embody those points. You live, eat, sleep and breathe them. And I felt like maybe it would be great if we took your three points and we break it down real practically and then you maybe tell some true stories about finding your song and what that's actually looked like in real life. Is that okay? It's going to get real and a little bit personal. So... D, I like you a lot. You are authoritative, prophetic. You are strong, resourceful, and you have endured season after season after season of being planted in church and loving God. D, if you don't know her for our team, she actually is a vocal trainer. She's the one who goes into the studio with all of our team. She pulls out the very best in them. She helps them to find their song and to improve their voice over time, which was Bobby's first point. 
So my question for you is on a real practical level, when you are training voices, how do you help people to get past the limits and restrictions and to mature their voices? Um, so when we're in a, in a session or something, like it's sometimes it's just practical exercises, but just doing them over and over and over again, so consistency. And um, if anything, I try to remind the guys, you know, I'm just pulling out of you what's already inside of you. Which means there has to be something in you to start with? Yes. Right. <laughs> yes. There is. There's always something there. What if they're afraid to sing? Uh, then we have a little conversation, you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm ruthless sometimes, but I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. But it's only because I can see the potential that's in there and I want to draw it out. Okay. On a real personal level, has it been easy to find your own song? No, not really. Uh, it's taken a, a, a long time. But I think a couple of years ago, um, you know that scripture, it talks about he takes uh, everything and works it for our good in Romans 8. Um, it takes the good, the bad, the ugly. And when that revelation just came, it was like, it, came, it was like, you know what, nothing's too hard for him. Nothing's, what we think redundant, what we think is, you know, not applicable and God's like, no, just give it to me and I'll make something beautiful out of it. So you talked about consistency. What things have you done consistently to mature your voice? Well, um, on a practical level, just, you know, music-wise, it's um, practising warm-ups, that kind of thing, practising different kinds of songs, songs that I'm not comfortable singing, like I'll just go there just so my voice can get used to that key because, you know, just trying to stretch my range. Spiritually, just try to be consistent, um, reading my Bible, um, <laughs> devotions and um, attending a prayer group on Monday nights. Haven't been in a while, but I'm coming back. It's coming back. You said to me not so long ago, and I don't know if I'd like to quote you, but I'm going to. You said, I realised at one point in time that if I don't step up to the plate and take authority, if I actually don't, in here, become the D that I imagine, nobody else is going to lead this. Talk to me about, fine. do you remember that? Do you remember that? Yeah, kind of. I just, um, a shift had taken place and um, it was like, you know, be the team you want to see basically, and I wanted our guys to, to live in freedom, walk in, vic in victory, so stuff that I had experienced along the way, so I'm like, well, um, it's not going to happen by me sitting on the back row, so I need to step up, and that was it. Was it terrifying? At first, yes, but the need outweighed my fear. Thank you. Okay, Annie Garrett, you are like the face of Hillsong Worship. I feel like over years and years and years, your legacy has been something that has shaped our house, our song, our sound. You've been really significant in building this platform and helping us to find an expression of worship. Song is your superpower. Whether you are singing or prophesying over people or pastoring people, can you talk about that? Um, yes, I can talk about that. Well, I feel like our song, all of us, our song is our superpower. But I have, I guess since I was a little girl, worship's just been my thing that I was passionate about and where I knew how to find God there. And so I guess I discovered my song just in my bedroom by myself and um, experienced just me by myself worshiping God, like healing me from things and setting me free from stuff. So I feel like, I, I personally experienced God's power, which shaped my song kind of in my place with him that no one saw. And what you said earlier before, Bobby, about the word cannot return void. It was like this, there's many things about God that it's like that part's confusing or I, it's hard to get my head around, but God's power and that I was like, I got it, I get it. And so... Um, 
his word is alive. So if we're singing it, if we're speaking it, if we're praying it, it is living. So it is living in our praise. And so that's been something that I guess I always connected with and knew I had to cultivate in my own life, my own song. And even in, in, in the word, um, in jail, they sung. And Jesus, before he gave his life on the cross, he sung in the garden and they sung before battle. And so I would just see all these different examples of your song and the power of your song and, and learned it's not seasonal, it's not circumstantial. It's this song that we can cultivate and grow in our own lives. So that's just what I've tried to do. Has your song changed through seasons? Yes, for sure. <laughs> you want more, don't you, Cass? Um, Always, what do you want me to say? <laughs> yeah, and my, my song has changed. Well, every, you know, any situation where you discover more of who God is, it's kind of like a notch on your belt. And it's like another strength, I think, in your song or, or where you find something didn't happen the way you thought it would. It's still, but he still is who he says he is. And so I think it's just that choice to continue to sing and let your song be the thing that can't be shaken or taken from you. I love when I watch you that I see girls singing the song that you've sung over them, that you have invested into generations and you watch them take platforms and actually stand up and sing like, physically. How do you invest your song into others? I think just teaching everybody that it's, we all have a song and it's powerful and it, it's exactly what Dee said. No one can sing it for you. No one can sing your story, your testimony. No one can tell it for you. We actually all have to make a decision to go what God has put in me. My declaration of who he is is powerful. It's different. It's unique. And no one can do that but me. No one can give voice to that except for me. So I love it. Hannah Hobbs, girlfriend, um, your tambourine is no small thing. You are a songwriter, you actually give us the words to sing, you put words in our mouth. And I have seen you pick up your guitar, not a tambourine, but a guitar, when you don't necessarily wanna sing, when the song is hard, when the victory doesn't look close. And so I was wondering if you would tell us about a season that you've walked through like that, where you've made choices. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind um, is a story just of me being a new mom um, at the beginning of this year, January, I've got a two-month-old baby on maternity leave. I'm a pretty driven, like, love-to-be-busy type of person and suddenly your life kind of gets flipped upside down and you're spending a lot of time by yourself with your baby. And um, I just, to be honest, found myself in a pretty, like, a dark headspace and it was tricky to navigate. Like, one of that feeling of, like, okay, I think I can get my head above water but struggling. And so I definitely turned to close friends and to community within church and... Um, had help there, but I knew for sure a part of that story was to do with me digging deep in my relationship with God, making a decision to sing and to write, even though there was nothing there. And it sounds really nice, like write a song, that's easy. But when you have absolutely nothing to write, I remember just going into the room with the piano, looking at it, thinking like, oh, like I have nothing here, there's nothing there. But just that step of obedience, I think, to be in the room, to start to play, to start to sing. I remember one week in January where I literally drove from the city to the hills five days in a row to meet with one of our friends, Ben Tan, to write this song that I'm just like, there's something there. Maybe there's just like a, a slither of something that could be a song of worship, but just having to dig and work and dig and work. And it wasn't just about writing a musical song. It was like something in me that I needed to just commit to and step out in faith and walk in obedience and kind of keep doing until my heart caught up with the song. Yeah. Um, the words of those song, that song is pretty spectacular. Do you want to tell us what they were? Well, the main part of the song, it's, it says, every, every breath I breathe, I'll pour out in praise towards the King. And for me, it was an, a big thought because it was like I needed to simplify everything right down to be like, okay, breathe in the presence of God. He's here with me right now. Breathe out his praise. And I had to make it that simple in that stage of my life, I, I needed to bring it right back down, slow everything down and just go, okay, I can think about my breath. I can take a breath in, 
and breathe out again and remember God and make a decision to praise. And so that was kind of the thought behind it that became something bigger. Has singing helped the season change? Singing? Yes, 100%. I think it's like the decision to be obedient and to step into the song. And even if you're not there yet completely, um, your heart catches up eventually. You keep, like Annie was saying, you're singing the word of God and it's alive and active and powerful. And I think you step out in faith and you start to sing and you feel nothing and it's cool. Just keep singing. And then maybe you'll slowly catch up. And then maybe in a few months time, you'll turn around and go, oh, wow, like God has brought me a long way. Beautiful. Give them a hand. Amen. So they're actually, um, I mean, if you, if you absolutely have to leave, just quietly sneak out and go. But the girls are actually just going to take a moment and sing over us. And I really believe we just maybe lower the lights a little bit and location, stay with us if you can. It's five minutes, guys. It's five minutes. The scale of eternity. We'll be fine. If you're in the room this morning um, or looking in uh, and you need to draw near to the love of a Saviour King who is divine, His Name is Jesus, I'd like to just lead you in a prayer. So I'm gonna ask everyone just to close your eyes and just give room to girls um, just to draw near, just to draw near afresh, to draw near for the first time and allow the Lordship of the, our amazing Saviour King to, to be their portion. So Heavenly Father, if there are girls in the room today, if there are any ears listening on, watching on, and they don't know You personally, Father God, I pray, Holy Spirit, that You will draw near and that You will reveal Christ to them. And that in that revealing, their hearts will lean towards Him, that they'll open their heart, they'll allow Him to come in and to cleanse them and to forgive them and to renew them and make them brand new like Your Word promises. So Jesus, we pray for every girl now as she opens her heart to You and begins to enthrone You for the first time or in a recommitment to the Lordship that is so beautiful and so important. And Father God, our commitment as a sisterhood is to be awake, always awake, awake to who You are. And so Father, continue to awaken us, continue to open our eyes, continue to help us to see all that You need to see. And we thank You, Father, but like Miriam, we have a song to sing and we're gonna sing it loud and we're gonna sing it strong in Jesus' Name. Amen, amen. Beautiful. Thank you, my darlings. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I hope you have found it encouraging and uplifting and helpful. Don't forget, you can subscribe on iTunes to make sure you get all of the latest episodes as soon as they're released. And if you have time, I'd love to hear from you. Write to me in the review or comments section. I look forward to being with you again next time.